thought of what I was going to, uh, how I was going to prepare. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to, what I wanted to do uh, as far as a message. But as soon as I woke up this morning, I mean, with complete focus, even though I was tired when I woke up, as soon as I woke up, it was like God just started speaking, hey, this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. And uh, so I scratched all plans that I had before and just went with that. Uh, so pretty fresh, pretty, pr pretty fresh. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to start off talking about a story I heard this week. I thought it was a cool story. Uh, we, I had this, they call it a starfish pinning. I don't, it's a weird thing at college for people that are about to graduate. And anyways, you go and you get this pin and you're there 15 minutes to get this pin and uh, it's called the starfish pinning. And on the back, you got your pen, and then it's in a little cardboard cutout thing, and then it tells the starfish story. And I don't know what this had to do with us graduating college or anything. I, I didn't ever figure that out, but I did like the story. So it might, it might have been worth going just to get the story. Uh, story goes, there was, this, uh, there was this man that woke up one morning. He lived on the coast, and he went out and started to walk down the beach. And this was early in the morning. The sun had started to come up. And there was starfish laid out all along this beach, as, my, as far as the eye could see, just starfish uh, laid out there. And the tide was going out. And he just walked down this beach, and he was seeing all these thousands and thousands of starfish laying there. Couldn't go nowhere. Obviously, they can't crawl or move. And the tide was going out, so, I mean, they were all going to die. And as he walked down this beach, there was this old man, and he was walking along. And he was bending over, and he was picking up every one of them starfish he'd come to, and he was throwing it out there in the ocean uh, so it could live. And he walked up to this old man, and he said, what are you doing? And that guy said, I'm taking these starfish and throwing them, up in the, throwing them back in the water. He said, they'll die. Tide's going out. Sun's already up. He said, they ain't got much longer. He said, so I'm, I'm throwing them back in the water. He said, dude, there's, there's miles and miles of shore of these starfish. You, you, I mean, if you, if you did this all day, you wouldn't make a difference at all. You would make no reasonable difference. You wouldn't save a 1% of them. And the old man bent over, and he picked up a starfish, and he threw it in the water, and he looked at him and said, it made a difference to that one. And I thought it was a cool story. I don't know how it related to me graduating college or any of that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but maybe, maybe that, maybe that's what they're, they didn't explain that. They just left it. It was, a, it was an opening thing. They didn't even read us the story. I had to read it myself. Uh, so what I got from it is you never know the impact that you'll have on somebody else. And you go through life and you never know the impact that you're going to have on somebody else. You know, he threw that, he threw that starfish into the ocean and for all he knows a shark gobbled that thing up immediately so it might have, it might not have made an impact or it might have went into the ocean and and had a great starfish life but th the point is you never know that the impact that you make on somebody else and you come into contact with people every day and every single person that you come into contact with is an opportunity uh, to impact them and give them the gospel and God's Word impacts people. Uh, the Bible says that the, the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. That God's Word is very impactful. It's so impactful 
on people and cultures and society that there's been countries that's completely banned it. They don't want it there because they know that it can control people. Not the Word of God, but they know that it can set people free, that it can give people this mindset that, hey, there's an Almighty God and He's who we serve. We don't serve a government. We don't serve a man, but we serve a living God. Amen. And so the Word of God is impactful and the Word of God can speak hope into the worst, darkest situation. Amen. You know, without Jesus Christ, there's no hope. And, and I've said before, you know, what a miserable life I think I would have. And I've had all these many blessings, but how miserable would it still be if, if God wasn't in my life? Amen. That if I didn't have the peace that come from knowing Jesus Christ, how miserable life would be. Amen. There's hope in this Gospel. There's hope in the Word of God. There's hope in Jesus Christ. And He is our only hope. Right. He's our anchor. He's our rock. He's who we run to and are safe. <clears throat> God is our everything. And the Word of God, it's impactful. It has an impact I was listening on the radio this week. I think I was driving to a ball game and was listening to the radio. And I think it's American Family Radio, but they said there's this there's two missionaries that were in China and they just be they just been sentenced to prison for seven years and fined two hundred fifty thousand won, which is right around forty thousand dollars for printing off a Bible. They had a print shop. And they printed off a Bible for somebody, and uh, they tried to appeal it because they thought that was kind of extreme for printing off a Bible. And it didn't didn't get appealed. They didn't allow them to appeal it. So now they're they're looking at seven years in prison, and it's it's a husband and a wife, and they're going to get sent two different places in China to serve seven years, and they're fined forty thousand dollars. And why? Because they were printing off Bibles and giving them to people. And I don't even know if it was Bibles. They were printing off Christian materials. Maybe it was Bibles. Maybe it was devotionals. I don't know. But what I do know is the gospel is powerful. Amen. And that's what China knows. It's, that it's, a, it's not only powerful, but the gospel is offensive. And that's why people hate it. Amen. The gospel's offensive because it challenges whoever hears the word of God. It challenges you and it leaves you with a choice. Either... You accept Christ and you repent and you live for Him or you deny what you've heard and you live for self. And people hate that. People hate that reality. They hate that it's not about me, but it's only about Him. They hate that I'm not supposed to live for myself, but in fact I'm supposed to deny myself, take up my cross and follow Him. And that's offensive to people. People don't want to hear that. And it, go, and it stands for something. So when you read this Word of God, it has these principles and it has these, these moral values and it stands for something. So when you, when, you, when you examine the Word of God, it makes you examine yourself. Amen. And when, when I compare myself to the Word of God, I immediately realize that I don't live up to the expectations. So it makes me examine my own heart. And it either forces me to accept Christ and repent or deny what I've read and live for self. And that's offensive. Because it means I need to change, I've got to change my behavior. Because I'm in error with what the Bible says. So it, when I examine myself, I, I see things in my own life, I'm not perfect. But when I examine this, I'm forced to have to look at myself and say, man, I've got things in my life I've got to change. 
There's some things in my life I've got to do better. I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. But there's things that there's habits in my life that can't go on that I must do better at. And people hate that. People don't want challenged. They don't want pushed. They don't want somebody saying, hey man, you're living in error with the truth. And that's why countries ban the Bible. That's why people don't come to church. And that's why people that do come to church get their feelings hurt and go to different churches. Nobody wants to hear, hey, you need to repent. Hey, that's not right. Well, that's old-fashioned. You know, I think, <clears throat> I've been saying it for years, but it kind of seems like our country's going down, a, going down a dark road. But even in the past week, I bet I've heard five or six people talk about the state of our country and how bad it's getting. In the past week, and it, you know, I don't really believe in coincidences, but I, I thought it was you know, really weird that it seems like people are really starting to wake up, like the, everybody. They're starting to wake up and say, man, we're not on pace. We're not on good track. That our kids are turning out, this next generation of, of people is not turning out to be the best one. And uh, you've heard me say this before, but what you tolerate today is what you'll accept tomorrow. And somewhere through generations, what we used to allow was a lot less than what we allow now. And our bus driver, uh, there's this bus driver for us, and he drives our bus at all the games, and we have been on the road a lot this week. So we've drove all over the state of Arkansas, and me and him drove all the way back from Benton last night, just me and him. And we get to talking, and he's an older man, and he, he was talking about when he was in school, how things were operating. We, we've got a little respect problem at Fox with a couple people, and he was talking about how we didn't back in, when he was in school, they didn't. And he was just sharing stories with me, and you get to see a, you get, I get to see a glimpse, through the, the, the stories he tells me, you see a glimpse of how things used to be, how people used to carry themselves, how the level of respect for young people for anybody older, how it was completely different than it is now. And he shared the story with me. He said he was in junior high, uh, and he walked in, and the, he, the senior boys were all up against the wall, hands against the wall, like they were about to get frisked, like searched. And they said that Coach, he come walking out of the office, and he was upset, and he had a big paddle in his hand. And he said he went right down the line, and he said he hit every one of them boys as hard as he could five times. And he said, I don't know what they did wrong. He said, I didn't stick around to find out. He said, I got out of that gym because I think he was dead set on paddling anybody in there. And he said, you know, I never, I never once backtalked my coach. He said, I never once done any of this. He said, and you know what? Nobody on my team did either. He said, because we were afraid. And we lost something. Somewhere down the line, we begin to tolerate a question or a comment or this or that. And then what we tolerated become accepted. And then the next generation, we begin to tolerate something else. And then it become accepted. And then the next generation, we tolerate something else. And then it becomes the status quo. It just happens over and over. And it's the same thing that happened in our country. 
You know, it just started with just a couple abortions in 1970. It wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't that widespread. It just it just was a couple people that believed in same-sex marriage. They were the outliners in the it no biggie. Just let them if they want to do that, then that's fine. You know, it's no biggie. If they want to if they want to do that, that's fine because it don't affect my life. You know, it don't affect me. What you tolerate today is what you'll accept tomorrow. And at some point People have to start standing on the Word of God. At some point, we have to acknowledge that, you know what, this isn't right. Why is it not right? Why, do, why are you trying to control? It's not about control. It's about, it's not right. Amen. God said it was wrong. It's wrong. And, and I'm not just talking about homosexuality or, or respect. I'm talking about the Word of God. That the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Well, if you wanted to tell me three things that I don't see in our country today, it's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Amen. Because there's no fear of the Lord. And then the Bible goes on in Proverbs 8.13, it talks about the fear of the Lord through the first eight chapters of Proverbs. And you keep seeing it over and over and over. The fear of the Lord is this. The fear of the Lord is that. And it gives all these good, positive things that come from fearing the Lord. And it gets down to chapter 8 and verse 13, and it gives our good definition of the fear of the Lord. And it says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Amen. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And you know, if I'm, if I'm ever going to repent of sin, if I'm ever going to look at the gospel and examine my own heart and turn from the things that I do wrong, then I need to learn to hate what I do wrong. Amen. You know, and, and that, that's the problem. Is we don't want to hate what we do wrong. We don't even want to be told that we do anything wrong because it hurts our feelings. Or I don't like being told what to do. But the truth is that God said it's this way or it's the highway. And this gospel, it, it makes us, it gives us this choice. You'll either accept Christ and you'll repent and you'll live for Him and you'll put all your eggs in this basket or you will deny Him and you will live for self. One leads to heaven, one leads to hell. The gospel is offensive. If anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Amen. That's offensive. Because that means that I no longer live for me. I no longer pride towards my... I no longer try to do everything in my life for me. And I don't do it for anybody else, but I do it for Christ. And that's hard work. Repenting is hard work. But the Bible never said that, that stopping sin was going to be easy. The Bible never said that life was going to be just happy, 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 up and up and up all the time. But in fact, it said the opposite. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. I tell you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. That if our faith and if our hope, if all of our eggs are in Jesus Christ, if that's the basket we decide to put our eggs in, man, then we won't lose. But it's hard work. Amen. It's not easy. It's not easy when I, when I look in my own life and I see things, man, I've got to change. I've got to do better than that. Man, that's a habit that I have to break. It is not easy. And you know, repentance is to change your direction. So I can be going this direction and I, and I can be going through this season of life and, and to see things I need to do different. And the, and the word repent means to change my direction. So I, I've got to stop going that way and I've got to go this way, but it also means I have to change my mind. Because if I, if I keep going this way and I change my direction, but I never change my mind, 
If I never tell myself, man, that's wrong and that ain't right. If I never change my mind to be focused on Jesus Christ, then eventually I'll just go back the same way I was going. Amen. <clears throat> Repentance is not only a change in direction, but it's a change in mind. And that's what, when you hear the Gospel, when you hear the Word of God, that's the decision you're left with. Accept Christ and repent, or deny Christ and live for self. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 3. Starting in verse 4. First John chapter 3, starting in verse 4, says this. It says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He, He being Jesus, appeared so that He might take our sins away. In Him is no sin. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. You know, when I read that, I really like the first half of that. It says, everyone who sins breaks the law, and in fact, sin is lawlessness. But we know that Jesus appeared so that He might take away our sins. Man, I like that. You know, because the, the Bible teaches that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. And I think that's something we all know. Nobody's perfect. I'm far from perfect, and I promise I don't stand here today and speak from a place of condemnation, but I speak from a place of conviction in my own life. And when I hear that, man, I'm encouraged that God loves me, and Jesus come to this earth to take away my sins, to take the penalty for my sins. Man, that's encouraging, and I like that. But then we get down to the second part of that, and it says, No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. Man, I don't like that. Because it demands change in my own life. Amen. That's challenging. And when I hear that, I'm left with a choice. I can either accept Christ and I can repent of sin in my own life, or I can choose to deny what I've just heard and read and live for self. We all have a choice today. This is it. This is the Gospel. You will either accept Christ and you will live for Him and you will do your absolute best to repent, or you will hear the Gospel, you'll deny what you've heard, and you will continue to live for self. That's the reality of the Gospel. That's why it's offensive. That's not a popular thing. That's not a, that's not a popular thing to say. And you'll hear verses and you'll hear sermons all day long about the hope that's in Jesus Christ. And there is. That's the only hope is in Jesus Christ. Because we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And that is a great hope and that's something to be joyful about. Amen. But you won't hear much sermons. You won't hear many messages that say no one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. Because when you see what Jesus Christ has done for you, 
When you see that, man, you were dead in the water with no place to go, destined to a devil's hell, and had no way out because you were a sinner by nature and by choice, you would sin because God set the standard. No sin will ever enter the kingdom of heaven. No sin. That was the standard. And we've all sinned, so nobody deserves heaven. But thanks be to God that He loved us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth. And, and God put on flesh, and He put on bone, and He came to the earth, and He went through all the temptations. He went and faced the devil. He was tempted on the mountain. And He, and he goes and He stands on trial, and He's crucified wrongfully. Never did anything wrong. He was the perfect sacrifice because He never sinned. And that blood that He shed covers our sins. That's the hope. That's the joy. And when you see that, you're left with the choice. You'll either accept Him and you will repent or you'll deny Him and live for self. If you all stand with me. AJ, if you'll come and play something, please. Everyone here today has a choice to make. We've all heard the gospel over and over, and every time you hear it, every time you read the Word of God, you're faced with a choice. You'll either accept what you've read, you'll accept what you've heard, you'll accept what God's laid on your heart, and you will do your best to repent and live for Him, or you'll deny what you've heard and you'll live for self. I think too many times in our lives, we decide to live for ourselves because it's not easy. It's not easy to repent. It's not easy to change our minds. It's not easy to break habits. It's a grind. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle that has to happen every day. But it's what the Gospel demands. Okay? And it's worth it in the end because there's no hope outside of Jesus Christ. There's no second chance. This is it. Jesus Christ is our hope. Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus, through Jesus Christ, we will see a victory. <clears throat> every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If anybody wants to pray for any reason, consider these altars open. Anybody looking around, if anybody wants to say, I just want you to remember me in your prayers, will you raise your hand, please? God sees those hands. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today, God, thankful for your word, thankful for who you are. Uh, Lord, thankful for what you've done for each and every one of us, God. Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes and our hearts, God. You'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, and you would show each and every one of us, God, what we stand in need of, God. Things that we're doing wrong in our life, things that we need to repent of, God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts. You'd help us to be a light to others, God. Help us to stand on your word 
and put our trust and our hope in you. Lord, it is not by us, but it is only by you. And we give you all the praise and glory, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.